Mark chapter 5 and uh, verse number 21. Why don't we stand if we're able and willing. Please stand out of reverence, respect to the Word of God. And um, this will be the final miracle in Mark chapter 5 um, that we look at. But probably, if I was going to be real honest, my favorite of them all, it speaks to me because it involves a daddy and his daughter. And, and I got three of them. And when I think about this, it touches my heart. And uh, only a daddy with a daughter knows um, exactly how, can, can imagine how Jarius, and I'm not being, you men with boys, I'm not, I'm not down on you. I got one of them too. Amen, Drew? And uh, y'all pray for Drew. He found a quarter. And he showed it to me right before Sunday's uh, church. Now this is the, now I, t- I said the devil. I'm not calling him the devil, but but uh, and this quarter is some rare quarter. And we look and it says on eBay it's worth fifteen thousand dollars. So I said, praise God, Drew. And uh, we're gonna. Uh, I told him, you know, there's a, there is a fifty fifty thing, Dad, son, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I'm getting off track already, and that's not good. Mark chapter five, verse twenty one. But uh, pray about that quarter. Pray that it's true. But I promise you God will get his part. Drew will get his part. Daddy will get his part. Is that right, Drew? <laughs> Mom and the girls, they're just out of luck. But anyway, and when Jesus was passed over, again, by ship under the other side. Somebody go make sure my door's locked to my office before. <laughs> I don't want somebody stealing that quarter. Anyway. Some of y'all are done trying to find ways to... Anyway, the Bible says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship on the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and, lie, and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Father, I pray you'd help me today. pray you'd touch me in a special and a unique way. Father, you know this morning that I'm nothing without you, Lord. And Lord, there's not one single ounce of me that wants to stand here without you. And God, I'd rather just close my Bible and let somebody else preach as to stand before this congregation and Lord and, and preach great swelling words and Lord, words of man's wisdom, but to preach without the power of the Holy Ghost, I do not desire. Lord, I thank you, God, for the days you've touched me and helped me. I'm thankful, Lord, for the times I can go back where you have filled me, Lord, and with your Holy Ghost, and you've helped me. But I pray today that you'd help me right now. Lord, I'm a leaky vessel, and I need to be filled, Lord, this morning as bad as ever. And I pray, God, that the power of God would be real here, that sinners would be troubled, that the children of God would be encouraged, that those that are weary this morning and well-doing, they might receive help, strength, and hope. Lord, we love you. I thank you so much for calling me to preach. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing me to preach. Lord, I thank you so much for giving me another opportunity, Lord, to open your word. Help me not to waste this opportunity. Help me make the most of it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I was going to preach, title this message on Daddy's Little Girl uh, this morning. But I thought if I do that, I'm going to cry so much I won't even be able to see my Bible. And so I'm not going to do that to you and I ain't going to do it to myself. 
But I want to preach this morning from this story, and we didn't read much. We're going, we're going to cover all of it, uh, Lord willing. But I want to preach on a lesson about the Lord, a lesson about the Lord. Do you know this morning that God desires for us to know his son? Do you believe that? He's revealed his son to us in creation, right? He's revealed his son to us in the word of God. That's what the Bible's about. It's about Jesus. It is an unveiling of Christ from the beginning to the end. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ from the, from the very start of creation in Genesis chapter 1 where God said, let us make man in our own image. Listen, God wasn't talking to himself. He was talking to the Son and he was talking to the Holy Ghost. And God wants us to know his Son. Do you believe that? The reason I'm saved today, and if you're saved, the reason you're saved is because God wanted you to be saved and he wanted you to know his son. Did you know this morning that if God didn't want us to know his son, we never would have known his son? If God had chosen Brother David, you and I could have never had that wonderful knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we all agree on that. But I want to say this, and I'm going to get right into the message. The way God makes his son known unto us sometimes is through very trying circumstances. And Brother David, this man Jairus was a good man, no doubt about it. Uh, this man Jairus was a respected man. He was a ruler in the house of the synagogue. It's obvious that he was a good father. You say, how can I know if I'm a good father? Do you take your children to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what he did. He was a good daddy. But the truth of the matter is, Jarius didn't really know Jesus. And God used this tragedy in his life to reveal to him some lessons about the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this morning, oftentimes, it's at our wit's end where we find the greatest knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This man was seeing his worst nightmare come to pass. If you ask any man, any daddy, his worst nightmare, here it is. And so this morning, I, you might say, well, Brother Martin, I know the Lord. You can know him better. You say, well, Brother Martin, I, I've been saved. I, I'm going to heaven. I, I, I know that I'm, I've been born again. My sins are forgiven. But this morning, every one of us could have a deeper and a more intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though we do not like it, and though we do not, uh, if it was up to us, we wouldn't choose it. But the truth of the matter is, it's through difficult times. It's through trying situations. It's through dark nights and lonely hours and, and fiery trials and, and long valleys and, and stormy seas that God teaches us about his son. There's three lessons about Jesus we learn here that Jairus learned. I think if Jairus was here this morning and you said, Jairus, when you look back, do you ever look back in your life on some hard times you've been through? Yeah. You, I do often. 
And Brother David, I look back on it, and I don't, I've tried to ask God to help me not to be bitter and, and uh, at people and about things. You see, a lot of times it, it, we're hindered because we don't have enough faith to look beyond the circumstances and to see the hand of God in our life. And, uh, but as I look back on my life through the hard times and the difficult times, I find that in those times, I've learned the most precious things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, the Bible says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. If Jairus, I believe if Jairus was here this morning and you said, Jairus, what did you learn about Jesus? No doubt he had heard about Jesus. He had, he had, a, uh, he had some form of knowledge of Jesus. But if you were to say, Jairus, through this trouble you went through, through this die, your sick and dying daughter, your only daughter, your only daughter, 12 years old in the Jewish world, she was about to get to that. It was a very important time at 12. I mean, listen, this daddy had poured everything into her and invested in her and prayed for her and, and loved her and taught her. And now she's about to die at 12 years old. You said, Jairus, Jairus, what did you learn about Jesus? He'd say, number one, I learned something about approaching Jesus. He'd say, I learned something about approaching him. And in this approaching him, we learn this, that Jesus will have me. Jesus will have me. Oh, I know you look and you say, oh, you're a preacher. You're, you're this, you're that. Listen to me. I'm a low down, hell deserving sinner. And it blows my mind. It's, it, it, it's beyond my uh, uh, ability to comprehend why Jesus would have somebody like me. If I were Jesus, I would have told me a long time ago, you stay away from me. Have you ever had somebody you had to tell that to? Just stay away. Just stay away. And uh, you know this morning, uh, the Catholic Church, they have their Pope. They claim the Catholic, the Pope is equal to Christ. They claim that he's infallible. They claim that his word is on the same level as the word of God. He, they say, is the head of their church. He may be the head of their church, but he's not the head of the church. Amen. But if the Pope were to come to Mayfield today, you can be sure of this. There'll be security around him. I, I mean, for blocks, not just feet, but for blocks, there'll be cops. And there'll be, uh, 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 I believe I read where he went somewhere in France and there was 1,000, he had 1,000 security guards surrounding him. And can you imagine trying to approach him? What would happen? You'd, be in, you'd either be dead or you'd be in jail. You couldn't approach him if you wanted to. It would not matter how, how uh, desperate your situation was. It would not matter how, how bad your problem was. 
but yet they say he's the answer. He's not the answer this morning. Oh, I'm glad I'm not looking to go to the Pope, but I'm glad I can go to the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's nothing we learn about the Lord from this miracle, we should learn that, listen, Jesus will have me. He'll have me. I can approach him. I can approach him. I mean, Jairus come, and there was a great crowd there. But there was room for Jairus to come as well. (laughs) Oh, this morning, maybe the devil has convinced you that Jesus has no use for you, that, that, that he's tired of you, that he's done with you, that I keep hearing preachers talk about this shelf God puts people on. And listen to me, I've never read that in the Bible. I don't see no shelf in the Bible. You know what I see in, in Jeremiah chapter 18? I see a vessel in the, in the hands of the potter that's marred in his hands. And he didn't put it on the shelf and he didn't throw it out in the field, but he made it over and over again. If you're here and you're lost, I've got good news for you. Jesus will have you. Luke 15, 2, the Bible says, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They meant that as an insult. They meant that as an attack on the Lord. But one of the greatest things ever said about him was he receiveth sinners. He said, all that come to me, I'll know why it's cast out. He said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Oh, and just in case anybody wondered if it was for them, the last chapter of the word of God, he said, whosoever will, let him come. He'll have you. Jesus found out this is a lesson he learned, that he could approach Jesus. That he could approach Jesus. And now, quickly, I want you to see the movement of Christ here. The movement of Christ in verse 21. It says, that when Jesus was passed over again by ship on the other side, the movement of Christ. You see this, before Jairus came looking for Jesus, Jesus was already on his way. And oh, this morning, aren't you glad that he's already on the way? He's already on the way. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know my life, and I know my burdens, and I know my troubles. I know my prayers and my requests and my my concerns. I know the things that make me tremble at night. I know the things that keep me up at night. And I know I'm glad I know that Jesus is already on the way. Before I ever bow my head, before I ever call his name, he is already on his way. You know that sea he crossed was the same one he crossed to go to that man. It's the same one where they had that storm problem. It wasn't an easy journey. It was not some convenient. Listen, in this day and time, they didn't have ferry boats and jet boats and bass boats and pontoon boats and flat bottom boats and, and, and propeller boats and all these boats. Brother Willard said, the fact, there's two things. That the two happiest day with a boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Amen. It took work. It took effort. I mean, listen, this, listen, it was hard. And, but yet Jesus came. Jesus, the Lord Jesus moved for Jesus' behalf. The movement of Jesus, the motive of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? I believe he came back for Jairus. I believe he came back for Jairus. I don't believe he just come back for Jairus. I believe he come back for his daughter. 
And I don't believe he just come back for Jairus and he just come back for his daughter. I believe he come back for that woman with the issue of blood. And oh, what is the motive of Christ? What is it that moves the Lord? What is it that motivates him? What is it that drives the Lord Jesus Christ? What is it that calls him to go to Calvary and die for our sins? Uh, what is it that calls him, uh, listen, to lay it all down? Uh, listen, for you, is, uh, there's, here's the motive. It's love. Amen. Love. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. What motivated Jesus to come to this side? It wasn't money. It wasn't popularity because they didn't really care that much for him. It, it, it wasn't personal gain. He came, the motive of why, the motive of him, of, of him being there was he loved this man and he loved his daughter. Did you know the devil will try to convince us that Jesus doesn't love us? Because after all, if he really loved us, that little girl wouldn't be sick. That's what they tell us on TV. You know these TV preachers, that's what they tell us. If you're really right with the Lord, you won't be sick. Well, I read about the Apostle Paul. He was a sickly man. You say, how do you know that? Well, he had to have a doctor with him everywhere he went. I don't know why anybody, anybody would want to be around a doctor all the time other than for the fact he had physical ailments. Do you believe that? Every, I mean, I love doctors. Thank God for every one of them. We need them. I praise God. And look, if you, one of our, I believe maybe Taylor's got aspirations made one day. I don't know. That could change. She's got, I mean, I, that could probably change 25 times. And Miss Taylor, if you're ever a doctor, I will say, thank God you're a doctor. We need doctors. But I've never met a doctor who wasn't a little bit weird. <laughs> Have you? I mean, they got to be a little weird. They got to be a little weird. It's part of the record. I mean, on the resume, it says, are you weird? Check yes or no. If you check no, they throw it away. It's part of the application. You got to be just a little goofy, just a little off. And listen, they, most of the times, they ain't got, you go into a doctor and say, well, uh, you been hunting lately? Mm, what's that? Hunting? What do you mean? You, uh, do you watch the ball game? Ball, what they, I mean, they live in a world that, yeah, and I'm glad they do. But the reason Paul had a physician was because he was sick. Paul was a sick man. He had physical ailments. And if the prosperity gospel was right, he, listen, there's never been a man closer to God than the apostle Paul. Nobody's ever known God like Paul knew God. Uh, Paul had revelations given to him that nobody yet the mystery of the gospel of the grace of God was given to him. But yet Paul had problems. And the devil would say, if Jesus loved you, you wouldn't have that problem. The motive of Christ is love. You see this morning, we do not have to convince Jesus to show up. We do not have to persuade. What I'm trying to say is, sometimes we feel like we have to win his love. We have to, uh, we have to you understand, it's almost like we're having to convince him to love us. He does not need me to convince him. He has loved me before the foundation of the earth. He loved me forever, before I was ever even in my mother's womb. And listen, that was the motive of him coming. The mercy of Jesus, though. You say, what's the mercy? Well, we found in the first part of this chapter there was a demoniac who come to Jesus and he accepted him. And now we see there's a ruler of the synagogue. A ruler of the synagogue 
in this day and time when we were reading this was one of the highest honors a man could be given. Brother Larry, it was an appointed position voted upon. He had been chosen by the people of that community to be the ruler of the synagogue. He was responsible for calling the one that would speak and preach. He was responsible for the affairs of the synagogue. He was responsible for counseling. He was responsible for making sure things were in order. He was responsible for making sure the doors was open and the lights was on. He was responsible. This man was a very religious and responsible man, but he needed Jesus just as bad as the Demoniac needed Jesus. Listen, no man is so bad that he cannot be saved. But nobody is so good that they need not be saved. It was the mercy of Christ that allowed Jairus to approach the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus knew Jairus pretty good. Jesus knew everything Jairus had ever done. You see, Jairus was a religious man, but he needed the Lord. There are some today that feel like that they have covered up their imperfections enough. They've covered it up with self-righteousness and, and good works and church attendance and church membership. And man, they've covered it up and they've clothed it up. But let me tell you something, the Lord's eyes, they see through that and they see who you really are. When Jerry has come, no doubt this crowd probably bowed and probably someone probably tipped their hat to him. There's probably a bunch in that crowd that said, whoa, my, Here, Jairus, boy, he's a good man. But when Jesus saw Jairus, he knew he was a sinner. Yeah. He knew he needed to be saved. He needed mercy, mercy, mercy. This morning, the only reason we can approach the Lord, the only reason he'll have us is because of his divine mercy, amen. amen. Thank God for mercy, amen. I think about David in Psalm 51. After he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and murder, he murdered Uriah. He had murdered Uriah. He committed treason against the nation of Israel. You say, how did he do that? Because he got their best general killed on purpose. That's treason. He was guilty of conspiracy. He was guilty of covering sin. David was a guilty and a bloody man. In Psalms 51, after he was rebuked by the prophet of God, he opened the psalm with this. He didn't open it with this, Lord, I'm the king. He didn't open up with, Lord, I've killed Goliath. He didn't open it up with, Lord, I was good to Saul. I didn't kill Saul. But he opened it up with this and said, Have mercy upon me, O God. And oh, this morning we might find that if we had a similar attitude in approaching the Lord, I think sometimes we act like we're doing him a favor by simply coming to church. We act as if we're, we, we think that he ought to be impressed that we pray. It's almost like we think, Lord, you sure are blessed to have me. You say, oh, we would never say it. What's the old saying? Actions speak louder than words. I've got news for each and every one of us this morning. 
The only reason we could walk through them doors and sit under this roof today, and by the way, this is a sacred place where we're at. This is the house of God. This is the church. This is a sacred place. And Brother Glenn, none of us deserve to be here. The only reason I can put these shoes on and tie this tie and mount this pulpit is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. And Brother David, if I live 120 years and I'm saved for over 100 years, it'll still be the mercy of God. Mercy. Jairus would say, I learned something about approaching Jesus. Jesus will have me. And aren't you glad Jesus will have us this morning? You ever told your kids, we, I ain't going to have that now. We ain't going to have that. That happens quite often. <laughs> anyway, I got, I'm going to stay on point. Verse 21, or verse 22. And when he saw him, he fell down at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, life at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So if Jairus was here, he'd say, I learned a lesson about approaching Jesus. This morning, there's not one person here that's so bad you can't come to him. Nobody. You say, oh, Brother Martin, you don't know what everybody's doing. I don't have to know. I don't have to know. That demoniac, I mean, listen, like I said last time we was on that, that subject, I mean, I've met some bad folks, but I, I've, yet to, I've, I've met some. I thought they might have had a few devils, but never a legion, a whole legion of devils. There's nobody here so bad you don't need to come to them, but there's nobody here you've been so good you don't need to come to them. But I believe Jairus would say something to us about appealing to Jesus. Not only will Jesus have me, but Jesus will hear me. I may not finish this, but it blows my mind that he would let me come near him. But even after I've come near him, it blows my mind even more that he'll listen to me. Yeah. You kids listen to Brother Martin. Can y'all listen to me? I'm, not, I'm his daddy. I'm not your boy's daddy. Girls, I'm none of your daddy. I'm her daddy. I understand. I'm not trying to, be, I'm not trying to take the place of a daddy, but I want to help y'all with something. When you get around older people, when you're around adults, and you get in a country, you need to be quiet and listen. The Bible says be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. And Brother Drew, you'll learn more in five minutes of listening around some older men than you'll, you'll learn in five years of talking. And so what I'm saying is, I say that to say this, who am I to say anything in the presence of Jesus Christ? You know, Brother David, oh, I, oh, I really, I should just be glad. So Jesus could not just approach him, but he could appeal to him. He could have a word with him. He could speak to him. You know how hard it is to talk to people on the phone these days? I mean, I've got a dog that I've been trying to get a hold of him to about these papers for at least six weeks. And Brother Jason, they open at 8.30 Eastern time. And I call it 8.30 on the dot. I'm talking about satellite time. And it says there's 250 people in line ahead of me. I'm serious. I don't know if they've just pre-recorded that just so people will quit calling or what. But did you know it's sad? I can't even talk to somebody about coon dog papers, but I can go and talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> if Jesus was here, he'd say, here's what I learned about the Lord. I learned that he can be approached. 
He said, he'd say, I learned that I can approach him. I learned about approaching him and that he had had me. But better than that, not only will he have me, he'll hear me, amen. And not only can you come into his presence, and not only can you come near unto him, but you can cry out to him. You can call upon him. Listen, the Lord, the Lord's ear bends low to those that call on his name. Verse 22, we find there's a place we can fall. He said he fell at his feet. You know what Jarius needed in this moment in his life? He needed a place to fall. Being a daddy's hard sometimes. And you feel like you got to be strong. You got to be tough. And no doubt Jarius carried upon his shoulders not only the weight of his family, the responsibility of the house of God. Brother David, it got so heavy. It got so heavy. He said, I need somewhere I can fall. And this morning, if you're here and you carried a heavy load, oh, this, I mean, listen, this, this society we're living in, this spirit that's in the world right now, it, there's a, there is a heavy spirit in the world. There's an evil, evil spirit in the world today. And, and by the way, I know what the spirit is. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. Hey, listen, the, I don't know if the Antichrist is alive yet, Glenn, but I know the spirit's here already. But this morning, if you're weighted down full of heavy concerns and burdens, and you think, well, I just can't, I gotta be tough, I gotta stand tall, I gotta be strong, I'm, a, I, I'm, a, I'm this and I'm that. Listen to me this morning. We've got a place we can fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and listen, I'm never stronger than when I fall at his feet. By falling at his feet, Jairus was surrendering himself to him. That's what he was doing. By falling at his feet, he was saying, I give up. I can't do, I've done all I can do. I can't help her. I can't help her. Listen, listen, this man would have done anything to help that little girl. He would have paid any price to make sure she had the medicine if there was a medicine. She would have done anything, but Brother Larry, there was nothing he could do. The only thing he could do for her was fall at the feet of Jesus. And some of you have family that you would give everything you have to see them right. You'd do anything. You'd die and go to hell for them if it meant they'd get saved. But this morning, the only thing we can do is we can fall at his feet. I don't know about you, but it blesses my heart to know that when the burdens get so heavy, the burdens get so heavy that I can't walk no more. Jesus has cleared out a spot at his feet. Where I can lay all my burdens down. And if you're here and you're not saved this morning, if you're not saved, you're trying to be strong, aren't you? You're trying to be, you're trying to put on a good show. You're trying to convince everybody that you're fine, but deep inside you're miserable, you're weak, you're afraid. You're scared. 
I've, I've never, Brother Jason, in 20, next month, if I live, almost a little over a month, September 12th, be 20 years that the Lord's allowed me to preach if I make it. When I got called, I asked him to let me go one year. <laughs> and I didn't think that was possible. But, I, but then I said, I want to go five. And if, by the grace of God, Glenn, if the Lord helps me, it'll be 20 years next month. But Brother Glenn, in 20 years, I've never, in the last three months, I've had 10 times the people talk to me about the coming of the Lord than at all other 19 and a half years combined. Right. I'm talking about not church folks. I'm talking about people out here. They're, they're, they're worried. And by the way, they should be worried. What we're seeing right now, what we're seeing right now, call me what you want, make me a tinfoil hat and I'll put it on. All this is is preparation. Preparation. You see, the fact, the fact that we can see the world preparing for tribulation, it ought to cause you to fear knowing that that means Jesus. You better believe if the world's making preparation, you better believe that Jesus is 10 steps ahead. But thank God there's a place you can fall this morning. If you're here and you're not saved, and listen, and, 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 and listen, you don't need to be ashamed and embarrassed and say, oh, what would people say? Listen to me. I'll tell you what people will say. I'll tell you what people say. If you say, I'm lost, I need to get saved. You know what people will say? You want me to tell you what they're going to say? Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God you guys. Thank God you admitted you were lost. You say, oh, but I'm a church member. Thank God he'll save church members too. Well, I'm a Baptist, a lost. The Baptists need to get saved too. Well, I've done this and I've done that. I've been drunk and done dope and carried on and run around and acted like a heathen. Thank God you're willing to admit your loss and get saved. I had somebody ask me this week. They're they're pretty rough. I ain't gonna lie, they are. They're pretty rough. They're pretty rough. And they asked me, reckon what happened if I showed up at your church? I said, I guarantee you, I'll tell you what happened. You'll feel like you're the most important person there. You don't know why we can do how I can do that? It's because I know that the only difference between me this morning and those 250,000 up there at Sturgis at the bike rally, man, they, anyway, I ain't going to get off on it. I said I was going to stay away from it. I'm staying away from it, but maybe I'll mention it tonight. But, but Miss, Miss Diane, the only thing different about me and the, the worst man up there, the hardest, most evil, murdering, cursing, blaspheming man, the only difference between me and him is this, that I fell at, my, I, I fell at the feet of Jesus and he hasn't. And Brother David, when we all get down there at his feet, that's why it's so important we stay at his feet and we, we worship him and, and we love him and we stay right with him because when I'm laying at his feet, I'm not worried about this one over here or that one over there or that one back there or that one. And I'm not saying, well, I can't believe he's down here and I can't believe she's down here. Listen, none of us deserve to be down here. But what a blessing it is to get down at those nail-pierced feet and to wash them feet with our tears and pour out our burdens upon him. Jesus said, not only can he be approached, but he can be appealed to. There was a place at his feet. And this morning, 
I knew I wouldn't get through all that, but you'll have to come back for round two tonight. I know you're all going to be here. I ain't going to ask. Brother Glenn, I want to say this the right way. I believe that there is a place at his feet for every person on earth today. I don't believe Jesus. I believe Jesus died for all. You say, oh, why do you believe that? Well, the Bible tells me so. 2 Corinthians 5. Let me just, well, it's in there. 2 Corinthians 5. Feel a little brother Sammy Allen coming on here. Chapter 15. Chapter 5 and verse 15. See, I can't even do brother Sammy Allen. I can't even say the right thing. That brother Sammy's funeral, they was trying to quote scripture. And I thought, man, oh, y'all really trying to get him out of that casket misquoting scripture. Because he would, he would rebuke you in a heartbeat if you said one word wrong. I mean, he would. I preached before and, and, and quote, I mean, best thing you can do when brother Sammy Allen's in attendance while you're preaching is not try to quote scripture. You better have it written down and read it. I preached one time down in North Georgia and I had no idea. He showed up. And I was already nervous as I could be, and he sat on the front row. I mean, Brother Sammy Allen, Dr. Sammy Allen. And, Brother, I was so scared. But, Brother Larry, the Lord helped me. And I watched him, and he was listening. He was wanting to fill me out, and that's the way he was. He, he was... And, 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 and after about 10 minutes, I finally got over my nerves and I finally got I hooked in a little bit. And, and every time I'd pause for a breath of air, he'd go, hey, like that, I'd say, whoo, that felt good. Amen. I can't believe it. But Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, boy, I got sidetracked. Verse 15, it says, we therefore judge that if he died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all. That we, which henceforth live, should not live unto ourselves, but unto him that died for us. Right. Now, Glenn, how old are you? Fifteen. You've had a fine Graves County education, so you should be able to, you should be able to answer this question. Not a trick question. When the Bible says he died for all, what does that mean to you? What about that? Does everybody agree with me on that? He died for all. So because he died for all, here's what, what I believe. I believe there's a place for every person. But Brother David, there's going to be a whole lot of those places that are empty throughout eternity. Why would you refuse the place at his feet if you're lost and choose a place in, in the fire? You got two choices this morning, a place at his feet or a place in the fire. Which one do you want? You can't, listen, which one do you want? The only, the only hope for a sinner is to get at the feet of Jesus and cry out and say, uh, be merciful to me, oh God. Have mercy on me. And if you'll do that, you'll be saved this morning. If you're here and you are saved, if you are saved, and you're carrying a heavy load. Why, why don't you just fall at his feet? Fall at his feet. That old song says, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. If you'll trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord 
and leave it there.